You're listening to the Traffic and Leads Podcast, where we examine what is and isn't working in online marketing. Now, please welcome your host, online marketing expert, One Click Lindsay. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Traffic and Leads Podcast. I am your host, One Click Lindsay. Today, I interview Nick DeSabado, and he is an awesome, amazing, excellent professional A-B tester. He knows everything about A-B testing and split testing. Let me tell you a little bit about Nick. Nick D, which is what he likes to be referred to because we all know I just butchered his last name. He's a designer and writer with 11 years of experience, four published books, and dozens of speaking engagements all over the world. He's with Draft.IU, and we had so much fun on this interview. There was a lot of laughing. So if you're ready to have fun with split testing, I mean, who isn't? It's a really awesome topic, and it doesn't make your head spin to think about it, then you want to listen into this interview with Nick and I. But before we do that, of course, we have to classify this interview under one of the letters of the click technique. So I choose L for land. When people land at your website or land at a landing page, it's so important to A-B test that. Can you get people to convert better? If you change the button or the language on the button or add some testimonials, will that increase your conversion rates? Those are the kind of things that we talk about in today's interview. And those are the kind of things that we investigate during the L for land phase in the click technique. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can go visit us at theclicktechnique.com. Essentially, that is my secret formula that I take all traffic and leads clients through in order to jumpstart their online marketing. This five-day bootcamp that you can get for free at theclicktechnique.com will tell you how we set this up, how many times to blog a week, how much to spend on Facebook ads, how to do keywords. It tells you everything that I do for my clients and I know I'm talking myself out of a bunch of work right now, but it's okay. I like to give away stuff for free and help. So make sure you visit us at theclicktechnique.com. The kind of questions that we're getting asked out in our private Facebook group of The Click Technique are, example, here's an example. Hey, one click, Facebook ads versus Google AdWords, which one is better? And the answer that I gave to this wonderful person in my group was, there isn't one that's better. They're both used differently. So the best time, and of course, these are all interchangeable and it depends on your kind of business, but let's just talk real, real basic here. If you're a plumber or a doctor or someone that's going to take to Google and actively search for a service or a product and they want it right now, you're going to want to use Google AdWords because basically that's your shortcut to getting listed on Google. Now, if you are like myself and you're a service-based business, people may or may not be looking at that moment, but you think you can pique their interest with your services as they're scrolling through their newsfeed. Maybe you can give an irresistible offer. Maybe you can entice them to go and buy your product through a really cool video or something as they're scrolling through. It's a lot like a commercial, right? When you're watching TV and you see a commercial and then you go and buy something. Your Facebook feeds a lot like that favorite TV show program that you're watching that's getting interrupted by ads. So that's when you would take to Facebook. If you're okay with more of a passive marketing, you're okay with not getting those active buyers that need something right now, or maybe they don't even know they need you, or they don't know that they need your product. That's when you take to Facebook ads 
because they're not searching for you right then. And again, those can all be used very interchangeably and lots of products that work on Facebook will definitely work on Google AdWords and vice versa. But in general, that's what you're looking at and that's the difference between the two. So now that I've answered that question, we know what letter it is on the click technique. I'll tell you again one more time, make sure to visit us at theclicktechnique.com for that free five-day boot camp for the click technique. Let's dive in to my interview with Nick D. Hey, Nick, welcome to the Traffic and Leads podcast. So glad to have you on today. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. Yeah. So you are the A-B testing man. Is that right? That's right. Is that like your nickname, the the man? Or do you prefer Uh, like king or something? Yeah, I usually say guy, but I think man is better and king is even (laughs) better than that. I'll go with king. Yeah. Okay. I like it. I like it. So first of all, I'm going to have you explain A-B testing to those in the audience that don't know what that is. Sure. So it is a tool basically to measure the economic impact of a design decision in some capacity. You have a existing page, you're making a change to it, you want to weigh what that is actually going to do to conversion rate, to uh, your revenue, that sort of thing, signups, whatever it is. So you have A, that is the original, the control, and then you have B, that is the variant, and you are making a change and giving it to 50% of your customers, each one. That's a very simple version of it. You can maybe even do multiple variations or uh, getting more complex versions of a test, but uh, then you have you know a set of goals, people hitting a confirmation page, uh, how much money they're giving you in a given session, that sort of thing. And you're trying to measure what that is. Okay, awesome. And so do you primarily when we talk about A-B tests, are you talking about landing pages specifically? Or you like A-B test? I mean, obviously, we have to A-B test ads and like pretty much everything in online marketing emails and everything like that. Are you Mr. A-B test landing page guy? I'm A-B testing basically anything. So I have an e-commerce store right now. I'm testing their cart. I'm testing their storefront. I'm testing an existing product page. If you're talking marketing, I've ran tests on emails before for things like subject lines and uh, some content. But yeah, you can you can test basically anything. You can change basically anything, right? Right. So I think one of the most common misconceptions when it comes to A-B testing is, oh my goodness, that is so much work. And a lot of like a lot of the general information out there about A-B testing is like, hey, like just change the color of your headline and see how that works out for you. And that increases costs a lot. It really is time consuming. Do you have anything to say about that? I have a lot of things to say about that. Oh, okay. Changing the color of the headline. You know what I mean, though, right? Yeah. You know what I'm saying. Okay. Yeah, yeah. There are a lot of you know case studies that you see for A/B tests that that succeeded fairly well. It's like we did this one tiny thing and we changed mm-hmm. the color of call to action or changed the headline or something like that, and conversions went up by three hundred percent. This is amazing. And that's um, like really too expensive and time consuming for most small businesses. Yeah. Yeah, and it's also kind of slapdash, right? Like it's not a deliberate or intentional process. Like it may be that you change the call to action color and it works really well, but how did you settle on that? Was were you unsatisfied with your existing color? Was it some sort of like puke green or something? Like you don't <laughs> like um and why did you need testing to necessarily get you to the point where you were convinced to change that it? That brown is not a good submit button at the bra- all. 
Brown is a pretty lousy submit button. I'll agree with that. Um, red also may be a bad submit button. Like, looks like a warning, you know? Doesn't work yeah. with colorblind people. So there's... But there's... Testing is one of those things where if the idea of having a case study for A-B testing was holding you back from making this change, why did you need testing to do it, right? So the way that I go about running A-B tests is, you know, coming up with ideas is the hardest part. And it's the thing that people ask me about the most frequently. And the answer is basically through research. And research sounds scary. It's like the first thing to get cut from everybody's budget. And I spend a lot of my time trying to demystify the process and make it less scary for people. Okay, uh, what are your tips on that? Give me three tips or something. Okay, three tips. Number one, um, you're probably already gathering an ungodly amount of data with analytics. So if you have Google Analytics installed, you can do research on people and you're gaining quantitative insights on how they're behaving in a funnel. A lot of that can influence um, more optimization-y type things like improving site speed, uh, fixing your pages for mobile and that sort of stuff. Um, but also if people are kind of failing at a certain step in your funnel, that's something that you can be gathering in analytics. And so if you configure your funnel and you say, oh, people are dropping off here, why might that be? It's either because you have some sort of usability issue in your funnel or it's because you aren't following through on the pitch or on the copy or people are coming in with the advertising uh, that you have and they have one idea and you're promoting another idea and there's a mismatch. And those give you ideas for A-B testing, right? You look at, okay, well, there's a problem. I've isolated a problem. Now I'm going to speculate on what that problem might be. So, okay, mm -hmm. the problem is people are falling off at this given point in the funnel. The speculation is our ads aren't landing for them at this point because we're saying one thing and then delivering another thing. Uh, then the thing we're changing is the third part of it is, okay, now we have to change the ads or we have to change the pitch on the existing page or something like that or change what we're offering. And then you test that. So it's a three-step process. The other research methods that I recommend that are pretty easy to do are heat maps, scroll maps. Uh, you can go on a site like hotjar.com. That costs $49 a month. Um, you can, there's a month trial. That sort of thing. And you type in a URL, throw a bit of tracking JavaScript on your site, and it gives you a heat map and it shows you where people are going, where people aren't going. And especially for advertising and for the pitch that you're providing, how far they're scrolling on the page. So if they ever get bored at a given point or they've seen enough, that gives you a very clear insight into how people are actually behaving. I'll do a lot of deeper stuff that are like involve surveying people and just try to ask questions about their experience. I'll do a lot of post purchase surveys where I'll just have one uh, question on the thank you page that asks them, uh, what was the last thing that held you back before you purchased? Uh, mm. And just gather that. Oh my like God, that. you get amazing insights on that one. And then sometimes I'll even just get people on the phone and give them a $50 Amazon gift card for their time where I just ask them about their experience with the product, what competitors they vetted, what they're getting out of it, if they're still using it, um, what they were looking for, uh, that sort of stuff. That's a little bit more of an involved... like. When you think of research, that's what you're getting activity. Mm -hmm. um, so if my clients are particularly on board with research, then it's um, pretty easy to just say, okay, we'll throw a screener up. You know what that is. And, uh, and we'll get back some insights in a couple of weeks. Um, so that's, that's kind of the overall mindset that I try and come in with. And uh, a lot of it can be set up. You can do analytics or heat maps in an afternoon, right? You don't do that because they're... Uh, a little bit Byzantine and scary and nobody actually has ownership over it in your organization. 
people hire me and then I take ownership over it. The other thing I think the reason why people don't do a lot of A-B testing is because they're not generating a lot of traffic. So do you have minimum traffic requirements to where like it's going to make sense to A-B test different things? Uh, yes, I do. And so it's uh, it's contingent on the traffic that you're getting in and the conversion rate that you're getting in because you need enough of a change to detect, right? So mm-hmm. if you have a particularly mm-hmm. high conversion rate, let's say it's preposterously high, like 60%, um, it's easier to detect small changes in that because you have a lot of signal. So my requirement is at least 500 sales per month. And that's a little bit far into safe territory, but I prefer that rather than just have you be sitting on the borderline and me being worried about you having a down month and then we aren't doing anything meaningful. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's that's basically my bare minimum. Uh, the fortunate thing is that I'm on a podcast about getting more traffic and leads. So yeah. in the absence of qualified traffic, listen to all the other episodes on this podcast. And you'll be, you'll be, you'll then you'll call Nick. Like that's your final step. Yeah. When you've won, call me. <laughs> okay. Okay. So do you have any, like, let's say, so a lot of the people that are listening to this podcast end up trying to do this whole online marketing craziness on their own, which is fine because they're trying to bootstrap it and make some magic happen. Do you have any recommendations as far as like A-B testing, if they're just kind of dipping their toe in on Facebook ads and landing pages and opt-ins, like, should they be A-B testing or like, what is your recommendation? I would recommend A-B testing maybe a few treatments of a given ad if you want to be doing that. Um, I, I am not as well versed on Facebook's platform in particular, but I know Google allows you to do that really well. Facebook um, does as well. Facebook does listening. as well. That's good. Yeah. Yep. So if you're getting enough of a conversion rate in to run A-B tests on ads, totally do that. Um, one thing that I would recommend before you even do that is do all of the things around optimization of your site. So once people get there, then you're increasing the conversion rate as much as humanly possible using as many quick wins as humanly possible. Um, there's one client I'm working with right now, uh, and they're, they're an e-commerce store, and they had a fairly decent conversion rate, like enough that, that I could start working with them. And they hired me for A-B testing, and I looked at their analytics for five minutes and saw that their, their site speed, they had an average 16-second load time for all of their pages. Yeah, it was rough. And I was like, that's kind of shocking and horrible. So let's look at what's going on in here. And I just opened up the web inspector and like put on my developer hat for a minute. We compressed all their images, converted some from ping to JPEG, resized a bunch of stuff that reduced about two megabytes per page. And then I found out that um, their video hosting service was sending the exact same. There were 11 video previews for like one for each of their products on their store page. And each one was sending a 1.2 megabyte JavaScript tracking snippet that was redundant. It was the same tracking snippet over and over and over again. And so I was like, how about we delete these? And they're like, okay. And then I look like a wizard. Their conversion rate went up by 9.12%. No way. <laughs> yeah, over the span of a month. And that puts you in a better position. And it was and just you like, raised your rates immediately. Yeah, actually, they hired me for another site. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, um, but like... I went in and I saw this thing and I just put on my like neck beard hat and just did the like boring grunt work that nobody else wanted to touch or thought to touch. Mm-hmm. And and then we got it into a better place because, well, first off, they're making more money. So 
That's great. And I'm justifying my existence, which is great. But also, any tests that I run after that are more likely to provide a detectable effect because Mm -hmm. you have a higher conversion rate. So what I recommend is go through, um, like Conversion XL has a good blog for this. I've been putting out a lot of lessons on this front of how to prepare your site so that it is in the best place imaginable for A-B testing. And a lot of that is just devastatingly unsexy work, like reducing weight and fixing browser bugs. And so many people, this was a $10 million a year business. They just didn't do it. And that's not a referendum on them or anybody's fault. I'm not here to ascribe blame, but it... This happens everywhere to everybody, and it's probably happening to you. And it's just one of those things that's not as viscerally scary of a problem as all the other things that are problems in your business. So you never bother actually taking care of it. Yeah. And let me throw this out there because I never mentioned this on the podcast before. We're going on two years now. But when Nick says browser bugs, he means that literally your website can act and look completely different in like Chrome versus IE versus versions of Firefox versus whatever. So it's in your best interest to there's different websites out there that will actually show you screenshots of what your website looks like in a million browsers or like just look at it yourself on a few different browsers and make sure it's functioning okay because just because it looks good on your version of chrome your customers could be seeing something completely different yeah i use browser stack as a tool for that um they're not paying me for that. And that's just a thing. But I couldn't agree more. One thing that I do in Google Analytics, and I call this research, I go in and I look at the conversion rates per browser. Mm-hmm. And I've gone in and seen, oh, wow, Chrome is like a third of your traffic or more sometimes. And the conversion rate is significantly less. Now, that could be because most of your traffic is coming in from Chrome, and so you have more signal to play with, and so variability is bound to happen. Or it could be because you have bugs in Chrome, or your site is loading slower in Chrome. So the next thing that happens is, and this is part of the research process, you identify a problem. Okay, you've speculated on the cause behind it. Sometimes the answer is more research. Okay, well, now I'm going to go in and look at site speed on Chrome versus Firefox versus Safari. Um, It could be that Chrome is lumped in on mobile, and so your mobile traffic is particularly bad. A lot of my time with these, with all of my clients, it's so crazy to say, but it's like fixing this sort of stuff and like fixing your busted mobile experience. It's a lot of that. And then they hire, they hire me for A-B testing and I come in actually being like, actually, this doesn't work on an iPhone. And they're like, wow, I bet bet when you get a new client or (laughs) when you're trying to land a client and you see a really crappy iPhone experience, you're like, you should totally hire me. (laughs) I will fix your problem in a month easily. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sometimes it's like three weeks. I mean, sometimes I'll just be like, put on bootstrap and we do the most like slapdash answers to it, but they solve the problem. And so one thing that I end up doing with testing is I'll put together like really rickety prototypes and just they solve the problem we're looking at. And then you're testing whether or not we want to actually polish that up into Mm -hmm. something that that's production ready. Cause I'm an HTML developer in a past life, but I'm, you really shouldn't be paying me for that. (laughs) Right. Right. There's Um, other people we can pay for that. There's other people that you can pay for it who are better at their jobs than I am. Um, But I'm very good at kind of 
playing traffic cop on the whole process and saying, okay, here's where we should be putting our attention and here's why. And so developing the process and the methodology for it, I think to go back to your original question, one of the scariest things about A-B testing is changing your methodology so that you can actually A-B test in the right way rather than just looking at case study porn. So can you just give me like top, like just real quick list, like obviously we've covered, make sure your website looks good in mobile. Make sure that um, that the site speed is fast. Are there any other just quick checklist items that are quick wins that we can tell people? God, fix all the usability issues on your checkout form. Yeah. Um, I don't need if I'm if I'm running a SaaS business. I don't need your billing and shipping addresses. Yeah. I have seen that happen. Fix your mobile keyboards. That's another big one. So if I am entering a credit card number, it should shift to the numeric keypad. If wow. I am in the United States and entering a zip code, it should uh, give me the numeric keypad. If it's a postal code, that's totally fine. You can go into an API that the USPS Canada Post or um, whatever the UK's postal system is, Royal Mail. They provide an API that automatically looks up town, so city and state get auto-populated as a result of that. If you absolutely need an address, like you're shipping physical goods, call for as few fields as humanly possible. I cannot tell you how many businesses ask for things like your name if they're just delivering delivering software because they want to market to you and that's great. Deliver the software then ask for the name. Don't add more fields before you're actually taking the person's money because you've just made it that much harder for them. What else do I see on a daily basis? burying your calls to action or playing up calls to action that don't actually involve taking money in the business, like download our PDF how-to guide and also not asking for the person's email address. Uh That's another big no-no. Botching their email marketing or lifecycle emails, botching their onboarding if they're a software business, um, botching their post-purchase survey requests if they're an e-commerce business. So Uh, stop botching, essentially. Yeah, a lot of botching. A lot of botching. (laughs) Okay, before I'm going to turn the time over to you to tell us anything you want us to know, there is one question I need to ask you, Nick, and that Mm. is, what color should the submit button be? (laughs) (laughs) Tell me. Oh, God. I'm going to tell you a case study, and then I'm going to tell you the actual answer. And Um, for what it's worth, I know that you should not put the word submit on a button, but I do need to know the color. Yeah, if you're... Yeah. Okay, so... Uh, I did a. I, I worked for a tech blog called The Wirecutter. They're now part of the New York Times. But when they were an independent company, we worked together, and I ran a test that changed the color of their button. They basically uh, their site that's like, okay, well, you you want a USB hub? Here's the best USB hub. We spent 400 hours testing all USB hubs. Click to buy it on Amazon, and most of their money comes off of affiliate fees. So they don't actually sell the USB hub, but they link off to a bunch of other stores. Mm-hmm. I ran a test that changed the color of those buttons to the color of the store. So it would be like Amazon orange, Walmart blue, Apple mm-hmm. gray. And you just find the hex value that all of these these stores are using and go with it. And um, it was a extreme success of a test. It worked really, really well. But it was also like a test that was like smart, you know, it wasn't a test that was like, let's just change it because we have it there. We, we thought about what people would want and what people would be expecting. And it turns out that they're drawn like moths to a porch light when they see Amazon orange because a lot of them have Prime or something like that, and it's familiar. Mm. They have a lot of lock-in, um, and they're able to beeline for it. 
the actual answer is start with blue, go from there. Blue is the Facebook color because Mark Zuckerberg is colorblind. It's one of the most accessible colors. And so you are putting yourself in a position to have your color actually understood as that color by as many people as humanly possible. Awesome. Avoid ghost buttons. They don't test well, uh, just in general. Um, if you look at, and I'm saying test as in like heat maps, they don't like, people don't go for them. They don't view them as buttons. Well, they explain also, to the audience what a ghost button is. Translucent. Like it's just got a one pixel rounded border on some text. Mm-hmm. And it's not a color. It's just mm-hmm. whatever the background is. So make you, your buttons look like buttons. Make your buttons look like buttons. And that goes double for if it's like a flat design. And that was like super hot, like right around when iOS 7 came out four years ago. Um, people still do it. But like extrude your buttons slightly so they look pressable. I'm looking at a podcast recording software right now where there's a one pixel border and then a tiny inset drop shadow around all of the icons. That's a pretty smart way of going about it because it makes it look like it's a pliant element. Mm-hmm. Start from there. Don't A-B test that, please. Just do it. Launch it. And then think about maybe text on the button. Maybe um, maybe positioning of the button if you're burying it below the fold. That sort of thing. Yeah. So that is the answer. Blue. Blue should be the color of all buttons. There. All we of solved them. it. Just... Just start with blue. We solved it. <laughs> we solved buttons. Now I go mean, and do something interesting. I'm impressed that you can. You would actually be bold enough to answer that question. Many times I get, it depends. I mean, not on that question, but it depends, right? Depends. But if someone so, is demanding to know, I'll just like, give I them am. an answer. <laughs> and then they never have to worry about it anymore. And anything I could do to like remove that cognitive overhead and that objection from the whole process, like, please just make it blue. Thank you. And are you going to tell us like the magic font too? Oh, God. Your favorite uh, font, Nick? Come on, one more. My Come on. Font? <laughs> <laughs> I typeset all my books in Documenta. It's by uh, Frank Blockland. It's a very nice Dutch, um, like turn of the century serif, the previous century, not this one. And uh, I, I really enjoy it. Um, I set my wedding invites in Plantin. That one is good. <laughs> oh, gosh. What about on a landing page? You going with Ariel on this one? Uh, do Helvetica. You respect yourself. <laughs> um... Ariel's there. a ripoff. You heard it here. Nick says all buttons should be blue and all fonts should be And you'll get the best A-B test ever. <laughs> you, will, you will double your conversion rate if you use yes, sweet, like delicious that. Helvetica. I like that. <laughs> oh and with God. that, Nick, I'm going to turn <laughs> the time over to you to tell us anything you want us to know. You can sell anything. Do your little dance show right now. Three, do two, one, go. Do the little tap dance. I'm horrible yes. tap dancing. Well, uh, what can you do? Can you do some back handsprings for us? I would have to get off the microphone in order to do that. Okay. I wouldn't be able to hear it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no. So I run an uh, interaction design consultancy called Draft. You can take a look at draft.nu. And I write all sorts of stuff about A-B testing and optimization and running an independent consultancy. If you uh, sign up at draft.nu slash letters. Um, and there are a ton of other resources on that site that uh, give you greater insight into how to use research-driven A-B testing to improve your business. Uh, I run a course called the A-B Testing Manual. And if you're lazy and just want to hire me, you can hire me for a product called Draft Revise, where I just test your site quarterly. So that's about it. Awesome. Thanks for being a guest, Nick. I sure appreciate it. Not a problem. Thrilled to be here. 
So Nick D and I had a ton of fun on that interview. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. And we demystified A-B testing a little bit for you. He sure knows a lot about A-B testing and I sure appreciate having him on the show. Now... If you like the show, make sure you share it with a friend. You can leave us a Facebook review or even an iTunes review for those of you who feel like getting into iTunes and reviewing me. I'd sure appreciate it. Yeah, and definitely share it with a friend. Make sure to check us out at theclicktechnique.com for that free five-day boot camp. And we'll see you next time on the Traffic and Leads podcast. This is One Click Lindsay with trafficandleads.com, where the solution to your slow growth is just one click away.